Merry Christmas. This is so exciting. I hope you're having a wonderful day with your family and enjoying Christmas. And we are here to have a uh, Christmas devotional. It's going to be really fun, hopefully to bring some of that spirituality back into the holiday after my watching 125 Christmas movies. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's so many. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but I am here with, with Chris and thank you so much for doing this. I wish you a very Merry Christmas. Oh, thank you so much for having me. And I wish you a very Merry Christmas too. This is going to be a lot of fun today. Yes. So what we decided to do for this year's Christmas devotional is we decided to talk about the big hit, the chosen Christmas devotion, Christmas special, I guess yep. you say. Yep. The Christmas and, special. Uh, yes. And that uh, did very well in the theaters. It was really very exciting. Did. Yeah. It was really exciting to see what that thing did in the theaters. So I, I'm, I'm really excited for the future. Yeah. So lots of cool stuff ahead. Yeah. And so for, I think pretty much everybody knows, but I guess for the record, you're uh, become very involved in the chosen. I have become very involved with the chosen. <laughs> in fact, I, I work with the chosen now. So yeah. Lots of exciting things ahead. And on the Chosen's YouTube channel, um, we have a little segment, Chris and Chris, because I have a co-host named Chris, K-R-I-S. And we do a lot of behind the scenes stuff and lots of cool things coming from us in the future. What is it that you especially like about the show that you think is... Uh... You know, from an acting and creative standpoint, I just love the character explorations. That's what I love about the show because it, it takes it from being some sort of preachy Christian thing into more of this gritty reality where you're looking at the possibilities of these characters, what they were feeling, what they were going through. And it kind of takes it from that stained glass window thing down to this realistic thing where you're like, oh, I can understand exactly what he's feeling. And I understand exactly why they dropped everything and followed Jesus. And so I, I just like the way the stories are written. I like the way the characters are written. And I like how it draws you into their character arcs and into their journeys and all that. Yeah, I agree. I was approached by The Chosen uh, when season one was going on and they said, hey, will you, you know, will you take a look at this? And, you know, I get a lot of offers, but I, I was like, I don't know. I don't know. And uh, so, but I was like, what the heck? I happen to have time. So I think it was, I don't know if it was, it was before, I think it was before or during, I can't remember when it was anyway. Um, but they asked me to watch it. I went in kind of hesitant because, you know, a lot of this faith-based. We all went into it. <laughs> I think every story I've heard, I didn't want to watch it or I was hesitating, you know, because of this Christian movie reputation. Yeah. And I mean, and I'm not a traditional Christian uh, because I'm a Latter-day Saint. And so, you know, I just didn't know if it would be for me. And uh, so I watched it and I was just really impressed. I, I thought that it was so well done. I mean, there are definitely places you could nitpick, but for the most part, I thought it did a really good job of creating characters that I cared about and, uh, and making Jesus feel like a real person that, mm -hmm. uh, that uh, not just this like I mean, he was perfect in the sense of sin, but like 
but not this like perfect person in the sense of like, not, I don't know, being like, Oh, all the time. If that makes sense. <laughs> well, it's funny. Cause it reminded me of Aslan. So when I read Narnia for the first time, when I was 18, that was kind of like the first, even though it's fantasy and it's depicting Jesus as a lion, it was still one of the most realistic pictures I'd seen of Jesus because he had a personality uh, he told jokes, he was sad, he was yeah. angry, he was happy, he was joyful. So Aslan with a personality interacting with these characters made Jesus more relatable, relatable to me than anything I'd ever experienced until that point. And so when I watched The Chosen for the first time, that was probably the first thing that stood out to me, especially when you get to that third episode of season one, and it really dives into Jesus's character. I went, oh my gosh, it's Aslan. It's like, I I've got that relatable picture of Jesus that I could connect to. Yeah. But even, I mean, Aslan has more of an austere quality to him than the Jesus in this series. Right. Uh, they, you know, you really see him playing with kids. You see mm -hmm. him just having fun at a wedding. You know, you just, it's, it's a more relatable, as you say, like version of the character. And, but I think it's doctrinally accurate for them. You know, there's yeah. nothing that I was like, wow, well, they went there. <laughs> you know, like uh, Exodus gods and kings where you have the uh, God is like a, a cranky angry child. -year -old. <laughs> like, what? Stamping there's, his foot. He's an angry child. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It was there's, irritating. There's nothing like that or the, the Bible series, which is pretty good, but they're, they're kind of bizarre depiction of the devil. I think in that yeah. series was just like, what? Very strange. <laughs> it was there's nothing strange. like that in this. Everything feels like pretty accurate to the Bible, I would say. Yeah, like it doesn't go against what scripture says, but it's giving us a look of what could it have looked like. And so, that's yeah, what I like. yeah, I, I I said in my review uh, of the first season, I said um, that I said the reason uh, that faith based films are difficult is because faith and particularly conversion are intensely personal experiences. What is powerful and profound to one human may come off as cloying and false to, to another. This makes telling a universal story very difficult. However, it also makes the successes all the more meaningful. And I said, one such success can be found in the new series based on the early ministry of Jesus Christ called The Chosen. I highly recommend it for anyone of faith that is looking for quality storytelling. Yeah. So I think that that is the, the tricky part is because our understanding, our conversion, our relationship with Jesus is so personal and yep. that creating a story that will connect with that is tough. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like they just, somehow they hit it with the way they portray these characters, you know, yeah. and it's not just how they portray Jesus. It's how they portray all those characters around him and their personal experience with Jesus. So like, even if I can't say relate to Simon's uh, what impacted Simon when he met Jesus, I can still understand his impact and I can understand why that impacted him. And so it just does a good job with their journeys to bring you into it. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Uh, so let's talk about this special, the, uh, the Christmas, uh, special, uh, they had a lot of music and ministry yep. Uh, that I actually didn't watch, but I don't know if you want to share maybe something about that or what you enjoyed about that. Oh, it was, it was good. I, I'm not typically a music person. I love uh -huh. story and stuff, but I did enjoy the music of this one. And there were a couple songs that really stood out to me. I mean, Brandon Lake, 
uh, did this one uh, called Gratitude, and that one topped the charts, and it was actually really powerful. There's a reason that it topped the charts. But I think my two favorite, um, one of them was the One World Children's Choir. Like, th those kids had so much passion. That was a, can't even remember the song. They, oh, What Child Is This? And it was just oh, so powerful how they, they did that song. Nice, the other nice thing was the monologue. So they picked four actors to do monologues in between the songs. But what was cool about the monologues is I feel like if you were listening, because the monologues went through the different names of God and what they mean and how God encountered people with those names. So they were really interesting monologues. But if you listen, they also kind of fill in some context for the episode. And there's a little bit that I'm going to get into a little bit later that I thought was really interesting. It was this idea of shepherds and part of their job was when the firstborn male lamb was born from a female, like they had to set that male lamb aside. The way they would do that is they would wrap it in swaddling clothes. So they wrap it in swaddling clothes. It is now set aside officially for sacrifice or really for the priest to inspect it and make sure that it was spotless and able to be sacrificed. And then it was raised for sacrifice from that point on. And that's what the angel said to the shepherds. This is your sign, not that a child is born, but that that child is wrapped in the swaddling clothes. So to me, that was a really interesting connection that I never thought of before. So the monologues, I think, did a great job giving you a little bit of um, backstory, uh, filling in context as you go into the episode. Yeah, that sounds that sounds really good. Uh, the They started out with Mary and Joseph on their way to Bethlehem, and they are kind of comparing each other's messengers. Yes. Uh, and the message that they got. And I was curious uh, as somebody who is, you know, like I said, not a traditional Christian, is that normal to, to refer to them as messengers as opposed to angels? No, we call them angels. It's just, I, I think the chosen went messengers because in the original language, angels means messengers. So they just kind of went to the bare bones of what they would have called them back then. They were the messengers. Plus they're going for the whole theme that by the end of the episode, we're the messengers now. Okay. I wondered about that. Uh, but yeah, they basically come to the conclusion that they, they, they had unique messages, messages, but that they had the same core of that. She shall give birth to a son and call his name Jesus. And I, I did think it was kind of funny when they're like, so should we, should we go ahead with Jesus? <laughs> they had yes. the baby. Like, I don't think they said that. <laughs> no, I don't think so either. But I like I like Joseph's log logic. He's like, well, the prophecy said he will be called Emmanuel, God with us. So do we want to stick with Jesus? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, and the they had a, I think they did a good job with the casting of, of both Joseph and Mary and uh, and particularly Mary. I thought she was really good. And uh, you just even though the real life Mary would have been probably younger mm -hmm. um the uh the insecurity and just the the how difficult that would be you know to to have to travel on a donkey when you're you know pregnant and and yep. basically to be a social outcast as well we we forget that you know that he could have had her killed if he oh, wanted yeah. he could have had her stoned if he wanted yeah well it's so. actually it's really interesting there's this youtube channel um my friend Brandon Robbins has this YouTube channel and he brought up something I never thought of. So like Joseph wanted to divorce her quietly, not publicly, and, you know, to avoid the stoning. But it's interesting if he would have divorced her publicly, he would have been announcing, oh yeah, she messed up and she deserves the shame. By divorcing her quietly, doing it privately, 
it's kind of like he's taking that shame on himself, which is a whole mirror of what Jesus did of how he took our sin on himself. So like that was kind of an interesting parallel. Again, I never caught. So it's very cool. These conversations that the messengers are stirring up kind of in the YouTube circle of people who review the chosen and all that stuff. So it's interesting, the conversations that it's bringing up because I had never thought of it that way. So that was a really interesting perspective to get. Yeah. Yeah. We, we don't kind of realize what a, what a brave thing that Mary Mm -hmm. did to, to have, to have the, the child and to be pregnant and um, just everything. I mean, very, it was a very brave thing. Yeah. We also forget how humble Christmas is because, you know, we decorate everything yeah. it's so bright and cheery and it's this worldwide holiday and it's so big, but we really forget how humble it really was, how God humbled himself so much to come as a baby, Jesus born as this baby, how much it humbled Joseph and Mary. And like you said, how much courage it took because I mean, Mary's reputation was kind of tarnished, right? And so she she took a lot of burden on herself and so did Joseph. I mean, one of the things they talk about in their road to Bethlehem, she says, you could have divorced me. You, you could have gotten away from all this bad rep. You, you, you could marry somebody else and, you know, have a better life. And you know, Joseph's like, I don't think I had a choice. But even if I did, I wouldn't change a thing. And I, I love those little lines as they were walking and talking because it really does bring that reality of that first Christmas of how humble those circumstances were and how difficult those circumstances were. And I feel like it's a great reminder that God calls us to things. That doesn't mean it's going to be easy, but he is Emmanuel, God with us. So he's with us in the midst of it. And so it was a good reminder of all of that. Yeah. Yeah, it was definitely. And the whole scene with uh, the papers being lost. And then, oh, yes. Yeah, that was that was a good little little addition to the story yeah. i thought yeah no it's a cool i love the transition between timelines where we jumped far into the future after jesus's resurrection mm-hmm. and seeing how christians are persecuted and what they had to do and you know to be messengers yeah. and to deliver the message and kind of the hardship of that and so the guy losing his papers which meant he couldn't get through the jerusalem gate was a pretty intense scene and so all mm-hmm. of that i think was really well done and how they mixed the two timelines together yeah, I was a little unsure of who the two women were at first, uh, and uh, but then you know I got it by the end, of course. But so it was the two Marys, Mary, mother of Jesus, and Mary Magdalene, uh, that are talking about the writing of the Bible, and uh, so she writes, Mary writes her account to give to Luke so that he can write Luke too, which yeah. I, I you know I thought was a pretty creative storytelling device and one of the things that was kind of creative about it is you know mary is giving mary magdalene her psalm the psalm that she wrote and um it's very interesting as she's giving that to her because she goes no there's just so much joy these praise this praise burst out of my mouth and i felt like they were as much god's words as they were mine and you know it's an interesting thought about the writing of the bible of how god inspired the word of God, you know, because it is God's word. It is his word. But what's that like from a human perspective, receiving that word? And that was kind of an interesting exploration. Yeah. Yeah. It was good. And, you know, of course, Mary's the mother of, of Jesus, but then also Mary Magdalene's the, was the one is 
Mary, Mary, the mother of Jesus was one of the last ones to see him on the cross. Mary Magdalene is, is the first to find him in the, um, in the resurrection in the tomb. So these two women have such a, such an important part in Christ's story. Yeah, obviously. And it was so, really cool to see their relationship together. Yeah. On screen. Especially if you've been following the show, it, it's almost rewarding, you know, looking at that and, and seeing those two characters together and then discussing where the disciples are. And it's, it's really, it's really interesting. Yeah. I, I liked how they showed her birth story, I guess you could say in a way that we don't typically see. I mean, you, you have them cleaning the stable making it comfort as comfortable as possible. Uh, you have her water breaking. I don't think I've ever seen a nativity story where you show, where they show Mary's water breaking, Yeah. but I thought all of those details were, were, were really good. No, all those details were, were fantastic. I, so, so me and my co-host Chris were actually on set for a lot of this or pretty much all of it. And it was really interesting because, you know, that manure is just all this mud they made up. And so we're looking at them dressing the set and making it as dirty as possible and watching them film these scenes. And it was so gritty and dirty. And I think that was one of the most important things. And when they released that trailer for the first time, what really connected to people was Joseph shoveling manure. And then it was the same thing when um, in the theater, you know, people reacted audibly in the theater as Joseph is is moving the manure around, trying to shovel it out of the way to give Mary a place to sit. And it's just like, well, how often do we, do we think about that? I mean, yeah, the but there was something the oddly comforting about it too. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Cause they, they, they were trying, I don't know, they were trying so hard to make it comfortable. And there's something just in the, the effort and the love, I think that even though it, it is, not where I would want to get birth, that's for sure. Yes. But still. Well, because like, I think it takes it down from this pristine place that we put all of it. Because I think sometimes we take these things and we just get this impression that God made it easy, right? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, everything was nice and wonderful. And yeah, it was a little painful because labor's painful, but whatever. But it was a truly uncomfortable moment. <laughs> it was yeah. a truly difficult thing. And, and I think it's comforting because when God calls us to things, it can be difficult and it can be uncomfortable. And then sometimes when we read the Bible and we have that stained glass window picture of it in our heads, we just think, well, why was it so much easier for them? And why is it so hard for me? There must be something broken with me. So I love that this has that ability to break that down and show us, no, no, they were human. Yeah. They, they had to shovel manure so that Mary could sit down in a cleaner spot to give birth. And it was very terrifying because there was no midwife it was Mary and Joseph doing something they had never done. They were in way over their heads. And so it was showing that I think that's what's so comforting is seeing that raw humanity of it because God was with them in it and he was taking care of them, but it wasn't all easy. And I think that's what we need to remember in life, that when God calls us to things, it doesn't mean it's all going to be so easy, yeah. but he's with us in it. Well, and he also gives you the strength. He says, don't be afraid. Yep. That's the first part of their message that they, they were both Joseph and Mary received is don't be afraid. Yeah. And, and so he doesn't take away the challenge often, but he helps us to have the courage and to yeah. have this, the ability to get through it. I grew up in a very um, Bible-based house. And so I remember 
uh, when my dad, when I was about 14 years old, he was injured by a horse. And I remembered seeing my mom take the Bible and take God's promises and just really stand on those promises as she would pray for my dad. And so that moment when Joseph said, what was the first thing your messenger said to you? Don't be afraid. Just going back to that promise and that reminder was, that was a very powerful moment for me personally, because it just reminded me of those hardships my family and I have been through. But that training that my family has given me is you're going through those hardships, you go back to God's word and you make your stand on God's promises. You remind yourself of what God has said and what God has done and what he will do. So it's, it was a very powerful moment for me when Joseph reminded Mary of that first thing his messenger said. Yeah. And I also liked how they were both sort of amazed at how small he, the, the baby Jesus was, you know, yeah. I think you expect uh, expect grandeur from the son of God. Right. And, yep. and, and so when he came again, talking about humble and he's this tiny little baby that, uh, that, that was, that was a cute moment. I thought they did well. It was a very cool callback to season two, episode three, which is a very interesting episode where they're all sitting around the fire talking about how the coming of the Messiah is not anything like they expected. So it gets to Mother Mary's turn to talk about it a little bit. And she just talks about how the birth was nothing like she expected because it felt kind of ordinary. You know, it was an ordinary birth. And when he was born, he was really small. He was yeah. cold, so he needed to be wrapped up. He was dirty. He needed to be cleaned up. And, and um, I, I do have the scripture to go with it because in Philippians 2, it says, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. And so when I talk about Christmas being humble, I mean, that's one of those things that I'm talking about is the fact that he humbled himself that much to meet us where we are and to be with us, that he was born a helpless baby in a stable that needed his mom and dad. Yeah. And that he didn't start out. People were expecting a, uh, a warrior. They were expecting somebody who was going to come and defeat the Romans and, and, and things like that. And, and yet here he was just a pretty humble, simple person, carpenter. Yeah. Uh, so uh, then they used the same cloth, as you mentioned, that they used for the newborn lambs uh, that was a special cotton, it sounded like, right? Yeah. Yeah, it was the swaddling cloth that you would put those newborn lambs in to set them aside for the priest to inspect to make sure they were the spotless lamb. So and it was especially like soft cotton, I think so. right? I don't, I don't know a ton about that, but it was just kind of interesting getting that revelation of that connection of the swaddling cloth. That was how the shepherds knew the sign. And I don't know if you saw this, because have you seen The Shepherd, which was the thing that started The Chosen, the, that yeah. original Christmas story from the perspective of The Shepherd? I think I did, it, it, but I didn't rewatch it for this. So this is kind of a sequel to that, but also just a remake of The Other Side. So that mm -hmm. one gave us the perspective of The Shepherds. This one gave us the perspective of Mary and Joseph. And one of the connections I saw that I loved, and I've coined the phrase hashtag the chosen verse because they're building their own chosen universe here. In the shepherd, when the angels appeared to them, the way they portrayed it in that episode was 
this light shining from the sky, but the camera never panned to the sky. So you're just seeing all of these colors reflecting on the shepherds and reflecting on the ground. And the way you hear the angels' voices, it's like these whispers. And it sounds like these unearthly whispers. You can't really tell what they're saying, but if you've read the Bible, you know what they're saying. The shepherds are understanding it. So Joseph is in the stable in this one. And he goes, Mary, are you seeing this? And you have this like Aurora that's out over the mountains. But their, their aurora is the exact same color as all the colors reflecting off the shepherds in the shepherd. So it was like that. Oh, nice. The perspective of the angels from the other side of Joseph going, what am I seeing? So there were spectacular things around the birth of Christ, yet he came so humbly. Yeah. And then, and then of course, you have the gifts of the, the wise men that come mm -hmm. later. And, yep. uh, and uh, so that he was, that, that fulfilled prophecy of him being a, like a king and being uh being worshiped by kings uh, yeah. that, that that was something important and then they would of course have to go into egypt because because of all of that uh because herod would see that as a threat and it's interesting uh, following the pattern of israel right how israel went into Egypt for 400 years, and then they were called out of Egypt. And that was the prophecy of the Messiah that I will call him out of Egypt. So like Israel, he, and like Moses, actually, Moses born under a death sentence, Jesus born under a death sentence. They had to try to save Moses's life. They had to do the same thing with Jesus's life. And he fled to Egypt and then he was called out of Egypt. And so it's very interesting. And you combine that with the uh, swaddling cloth that shows that he was set aside for sacrifice from the beginning. It's yeah. very, very interesting how God put it all together. Yeah. It made me think of, I went and saw the best uh, Christmas pageant ever uh, just this last week. And uh, in that play, uh, a bunch of kids who aren't familiar with their kind of roused about kids, uh, they end up getting in the, being in the Christmas pageant. And the one, the one little kid, he finds out about Herod and he's like, I hate Herod. <laughs> What's with this Herod guy? <laughs> and uh, yeah, <laughs> he's the, I mean, obviously he's the, he is the villain uh, yep. here in this story, but, uh, but uh, I, I did like sort of our parting of the, the two women story when, you know, she says, I loved you like a daughter since I met you at the wedding, which was a good callback to that episode of, of the chosen in the first season. Oh yeah. Yeah. The, the wedding, wedding episode is a great episode where you see Jesus laughing, smiling, enjoying mm -hmm. a party. Right. Exactly. But no, it was a great callback. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And they, the, the one actor, he says every detail, so human and raw God is goodness and truth and Emmanuel god with us so we can have that presence of god comforting us giving us strength helping us to be brave all that that jesus and uh his you know his earthly parents that they were able to have to help them get through uh the the tough times that they had yep so i think that's the kind of the main message out of this uh out of this film yeah. is that God will help you through the tough times. Yep. And then one of the other really interesting parallels that are not parallel, but messages that's in this is um, after the episode, when he watched it on the big screen, Luke Dimian, who plays Judas, he had his monologue and his monologue was about how we are the messengers now. 
And uh, it says in Ephesians 5, imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear, dear children. So live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. And then again, back to Philippians 2, where it says you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had, you know, that humility. And I talked about that. I just released a video on my YouTube channel for Charlie Brown Christmas. And uh, it's all about the fact that we need to reflect Jesus in everything that we do. And he loves us unconditionally. And we need to go into the world and show that love because we are the messengers now. And I feel like that is the message of Christmas. Jesus met us where we were and he brought light into our darkness and he came in the most humble form possible. And now we are to imitate him and go into all the world and be that light in other people's darkness and show his love. Yeah. And I think that's the message we can take away from hopefully this Christmas season is, you know, we've had a lot of people had a pretty tough 2021 uh, and, uh, and they're going into 2022 and we can be strong and know that God will be with us and he will help us and comfort us, protect us. And, uh, and so that's something that if, if people are feeling lonely at all this Christmas, if people are, are, you know, feeling sad that, uh, that you can turn to God and he will be there for you. Yep. Yeah. And I think it needs to be a very uniting message too, because the yeah. last almost two years now, we have found a lot of ways to divide ourselves and have opinions to fight over. And yet we here see the uniting message that Jesus yeah. came to each of us to bring his light into our darkness. And that's what we need to imitate and have the humility to imitate that. True. I mean, you think about it, even just with us, like we've done almost 40 of these devotionals and you and I are not of the same faith. And right. yet we found 40 ways almost to unite and to share God's love. Yep. So I think that yep. that's really great. So we'll, we wish you all a very, very Merry Christmas. And uh, thanks so much for doing this. I really appreciate it. This was great and uh, very inspiring. And I enjoyed watching the program. So if y'all haven't seen it, it's available on uh, YouTube uh, to watch uh, or on the chosen app, I think. So, yep. It's on the chosen app. It's on YouTube. So it's available. It's available for free. So check it out. And uh, so thanks so much, everybody. We hope y'all have a very, very Merry Christmas. And uh, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll talk to y'all later. Bye, everyone. <laughs>